When I was an unbeliever, I used to hate reading the Bible. Like, it was so boring <laughs> when I read it because I just couldn't understand what was going on. I couldn't piece things together, you know. I could pick up the standard verse, John 3, verse 16. I knew that one. Like, I knew that one. But just trying to piece everything together and to spend time in the Word was just really, really difficult. And that just points to some of the things that Paul has written about, that the natural man cannot understand the spiritual realities of the Word. You can't sit down and study the Word to understand it if you have not been born again. It doesn't matter if you grew up in church. It, it doesn't matter if your parents are Christians. You yourself will not understand these things. You won't understand how, for example, the Old Testament points to Jesus Christ, who is then revealed in the New Testament. You won't understand how the sacrifices in the Old Testament point to Jesus. You know, you won't understand how certain figures in the Old Testament, like Moses and David, are types, you know, of Christ in the Old Testament. So you have to be born again. Jesus talks about this when he is discussing these things with a, a, a religious man called Nicodemus. You know, he was part of the religious authority. And Jesus told him, unless you are born again, you will not see. You will not be able to see the kingdom of heaven. And Nicodemus thought, oh, do you have to go back into your mother's How do you go back to your mother's womb and stuff? And Jesus was like, no, no, not, not, not like a physical rebirth. It has to, you have to be born again, born from above. God has to do a work in you so that you can understand these things. And now when I read the Bible, I am just blown away, you know, by some of the truths that are revealed. And I've had to really humble myself because I've had to sit down and sometimes read something over and over again. I have to go and look at commentaries. I have to listen to pastors who, who teach the word, expound on the word. You know, who not just picking a verse here and there and then running with it, but actually going verse by verse with context and histor historical settings, all that jazz. And it's really important, I think, especially in these last days, we have to be in the Word and we have to be intentional about learning the truth of the Word, not just sort of trying to get those motivational kind of teachings, but the ones that really go into the into the word that really talk about the depravity of man, the total depravity of man. You know, the fact that we are all under God's holy judgment because of our sin. And if we don't give our lives to Jesus, then we have no way of surviving that. So things like that, being able to understand those truths. Because it does say in the last days that there will be people who will be listening to all sorts of te teachings that tickle their ears. You know, they want to hear the good stuff. You know, our, they want to hear about how, you know, God can give you a car and God can give you this and that. But the reality is God is not obliged to give us anything, really. If he was to give us what we deserve, then we would all be condemned. We would all be damned. It, in the word, in the colloquialism of the past, you know, teenage years, high school years, it would be late for us. So 
just something to think about as we start this episode. But thank you for joining me on the fifth episode of the second season of Become. We are in a series called Get Right with God. My name is Taku and I have been on this journey in Romans where we've sort of looked at some fundamental aspects in terms of God's righteous anger towards sin. We talked about that in episode 3. And then in episode 4, we looked at how basically we are all guilty before a holy God. When we look at God's standard and we look at how we don't live up to that standard, we are all guilty before God. And when we looked at Romans 3, from verse 10 to verse 18, it is an x-ray study of the lost sinner from head to foot. This is what Warren Worsby says about just the condition of the human race before God, that none are righteous, no, not one. And talks about how their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. And the way of peace they are not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. You know, not having a proper respect of God. And this is just the whole human race. Whether you are a Jew, whether you are a Gentile, that is just the condition. Right. So Paul paints this really sad and condemning picture for the world that before a holy God we stand no chance we cannot stand before God and get into heaven on the basis of who we are on the basis of anything we've done because it is all tainted it is all tainted by sin sin is what separates us from a holy God so he paints a very dark picture some of it is quite graphic in terms of its description and just how he explains it, especially in Romans 1. So now we come to this section of scripture in Romans, which is a bit better, <laughs> far better actually. I'm, I'm underplaying it. It is far better than what we have read so far because now we're going to see a transition. We're going to move away from the fact that the entire human race is in trouble before a holy God. None are righteous and all are sinners. And so we cannot survive on our good works. We cannot keep the law perfectly, unfortunately. So what does God do? Well, I'm glad you asked. Let's go to Romans 3. Verse 21. But before I start that, before I read that, verse 20 says, Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. This is God. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. So because we have the knowledge of sin, because we know sin through the law, no flesh, none of us will be justified before God. That's a very important verse to understand that we, because we cannot keep the law perfectly, because once we know what the law says, naturally we want to break that law. 
then no one will be justified before God. No one can stand before God and say, I am good because we're all bad. That's the reality. Then verse 21 says, but now, but now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe, for there is no difference. Verse 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There is no one who can keep God's righteous standards. So what did God do? God revealed a standard of righteousness apart from the law. Something that was revealed, actually, in the Old Testament, because he did, he says, witnessed by the law and the prophets. So this righteousness of God, apart from the law, was actually predicted in the Old Testament, right? Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. So now, because we cannot keep this righteous standard, because when we look at the law, unfortunately, sin has, you know, its place. The knowledge of sin comes in. God made a way so that we could stand before him in righteousness. Not in our own, it's not ours, but we could stand in the righteousness that has been given to us through faith in Jesus Christ. It is the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. It's not through works. We cannot work our way to heaven. We cannot do anything to earn our salvation. All we can do is put our faith in Jesus Christ. It is through faith in Jesus Christ. To all and on all who believe, it is to everyone. It is to everyone. John 3 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, so that whoever, whosoever believes in him, whosoever, it's a universal offer that he has given to us, whosoever believes in him should not perish. And we see why we would perish. When we look at the previous episodes, we see why we would perish. Because of the sin in our lives, because of the things that we do, we would perish. But no. All those who believe in Jesus should not perish but have everlasting life. It is through faith in Jesus Christ, belief in the Son of God, that we have this righteousness. It is now, the word is imputed. It is put on us. It is credited to our account. It is not ours, but because we believe in Jesus, it's as if God looks at us and sees Jesus. So, verse 24, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood, through faith, to demonstrate his righteousness, because in his forbearance, God had passed over the sins that were previously Committed. So basically, he's talking about the sins of the Old Testament saints who had believed, right? Who had trusted in the Messiah. Their faith 
was counted. Even though they didn't have a full revelation of Jesus, because they believed in God, God has counted that. And it says in his forbearance, God is a very patient God. You know, sometimes we, we, we get very impatient with God, right? But God is so patient with us even when we're impatient. He bears with us for so long. He will contend with you for years and years until you come to a point of surrender. You know, he will just wait and wait and bear and bear. And there's a lot to bear when you think about it. We come with a lot. We come with a lot of baggage. Sometimes we don't see it and we don't appreciate how patient God is with us. And so, why did he, why was he patient? Why, why, why did he pass over the sins of those of the, of the, that were previously committed by, by those in the Old Testament? He, it says in verse 26, to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Because God is the one who provided the sacrifice in Jesus Christ. And then he pardoned our sins through Jesus. Because Jesus took upon himself the sin of the world. So because Jesus condemned sin in his flesh on the cross, God can now pass over our sins because sin has been destroyed by the cross. Sin has been destroyed by the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so God can be the one who is just and the justifier because his wrath has to be satisfied. He cannot let sin go unpunished. So what did he do? He punished sin in the flesh on the cross. And that is how he is just and the justifier. Though Jesus was innocent, he took upon himself the sin of the world. Think about it. The sin of the world. How many people are in the world right now? More than 7 billion. And yet Jesus took upon himself the sin of the world. He saw you and me on that cross over 2,000 years ago. And he bore our sin in his flesh. An innocent man, he did no wrong. He who knew no sin became sin for us so that we may become the righteousness of God. And so there are three words that I want you to pay attention to that were mentioned in these verses. First is the word in verse 24, justified, being justified. Fifteen times this word is used in the book of Romans. So it's an important word and it's a, it's a, it's a law term and it means it's like a declaration, a declaration that one is righteous. So where it says being justified freely by his grace through, and then this is the, the next word redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So justified freely, you have been declared righteous because you have put your faith in Christ Jesus. So God looks at you. And then when you say, I believe in Jesus Christ, 
and you repent of your sins and you put your faith in him, he then says, you have been justified. I have, because you believe in my son, it's as I will treat you as if you had never sinned. Justified. Then redemption. Redemption is a term that was usually used in the slave market. And so what someone would do is they would bring money and they would pay so that a slave would be set free. So to grant them freedom by paying a price because that person saw value in that slave. So it is through redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Jesus Christ paid the price, the ultimate price, so that you would be granted freedom. He saw value in you so that you would be free from your sin. You would be free from the penalty of sin. So you have been redeemed by his blood. And then in verse 25, it says, Whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood. Propitiation. It's, a, it's an interesting word. It, it sort of points to appeasement or a, an atoning sacrifice. So it's the atoning work of Jesus on the cross. In the Septuagint, which is the Greek version of the Old Testament, because the Old Testament is written in Hebrew. So the Greek version of the Old Testament is called the Septuagint. And in there, the word propitiation is used to describe the, the mercy seat. So there was the mercy seat in the Old Testament, right? And this is the mercy seat on the Ark of the Covenant. And this is where the priest would sprinkle blood, right? For the atonement of the people. So he would go there, sprinkle the blood to atone for the sins of the people. So basically what this means is, and it's, it's, you see, it's God who set that sort of standard for the meeting place, right? So Jesus in this verse, whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood, right? What it means is that Jesus is God's meeting place. This is where God wants us to meet at the cross. Similar to how he met the children of Israel on the Ark of the Covenant, on the mercy seat, he now meets with us at the cross. And there is no other way. It's on God's terms, it is him who sets the standard we meet at the cross. And it is through faith. You must trust and believe that when you meet God at his meeting place in Christ Jesus, you have, you have been saved and you have been set free and you have been made righteous. And Jesus is your atoning sacrifice so that the wrath of God could be appeased. And so, verse 27, Paul then asks, where is boasting then? Is it excluded? It is excluded. By what law? Of works? No, but by the law of faith. Because remember, there is none who is righteous. There is none who meets the standard of God. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So, 
We cannot boast in our works. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. There is no room for boasting because it is by faith. It is not by what we have done. You are justified by faith. And then verse 29, is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also the God of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also. So this is a universal offer. What he's trying to say is that if it was by the law, then Gentiles would be doomed because they didn't, they weren't given the law. We weren't given the law. The children of Israel were given the law. So if God were to justify people by the works of the law, then only those of the Jewish nation would have been justified. But we didn't have the law. It's, it's been passed down to us. So for God to be fair, right, to be just, because he's not just the God of the Jews, he's the God of the Gentiles also. He gives us this universal offer to be righteous through faith, to be justified by faith. Verse 30, since there is one God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. We are all justified in the same way, whether we are a Jew or a Gentile. Do we then make void the law through faith? Certainly not. So the law is not void. It is still our standard. We still look at it and we understand what God's standard is. So it's not made void. We don't get rid of it. We still have it to remind us of what God's standard is. So certainly not, or perish the thought. On the contrary, we establish the law. So, <laughs> to get right with God, in conclusion, is not about what we do. It is not about earning our salvation. We cannot get right with God through our works. We only get right with God through faith. And if you want to read further in chapter 4, Paul then reveals to us how it is that we are or examples of people who were justified through faith. And the main example would be Abraham, right? Because the Jews thought of Father Abraham as their, you know, they, they thought of Abraham as their father, as their as a Jewish father, right? So Paul then uses Abraham to show that from the get-go, it has always been about justification through faith and not by works. Because a lot of the Jewish people thought that they could work their way to God. But God had a different standard. They just weren't reading their, their Bibles well. So I hope these episodes have stirred up within you a certain conviction and understanding of the total depravity of man, just how bad it gets for us, and then an appreciation, a greater appreciation for what God has done for us through Jesus Christ. I could have I could have spent a, a lot of time on these verses, but because of, you know, the nature of this podcast, I, I can't go into too much detail. 
but I've tried to point to the important aspects in a relatively short period of time. So I hope this has helped you and I hope you continue to push in your walk with God, to want to learn more about him, to want to learn more about Jesus, to learn more about the things that, for example, Paul writes about in his letters, the truths that are there, and to just have a hunger. Pray for a hunger and a fire within you so that you have that desire to read the word and to study it further. Thank you, guys. Thank you for tuning in. This is the end of the three-part series, Get Right With God. I hope this has encouraged you and helped you. Please share this with anyone you think would also be encouraged. And I will see you in the next episode. Until then, have a good week. Stay blessed. And continue to pray. Read your word. And enjoy. Because very soon, Jesus is coming. And you want to be able to stand before him, knowing that you have done all that God has prepared for you. And yeah, to give a good account of yourself. All right, till next time.